Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today our study is in the book of Acts, chapter 21. Here's Pastor Ryan. Paul began to describe to the church leaders there in detail we're told what the Lord had done through the Gentiles and again you know that the, the Gentiles and the, and the Jewish people did not mix and so the book of Acts is very much a, a, about the church becoming open to everybody we've seen that Paul preached and taught to the Gentiles all over the world at that time so he's telling them in detail what God had done. And it is God who did the work amongst the Gentiles. Even though Paul was the vessel, the glory, the, the honor, the one who was responsible for that work is God and him alone. And I like that, that he's explaining to them what God has, had done. And that is how we describe the work of the Lord, as a work of God. Not anything you or I do, but what God has wrought, what God has done. And what did God do amongst the Gentiles? What do you think Paul shared with them? What took place in Ephesus? Hey, in Ephesus, they... All of these Gentile believers, they brought their pagan witchcraft books and burned them. They brought their little silver shrines to Diana and they broke them apart and they actually stopped buying them. Their lives were changed. Gentiles left their immorality, believed on Jesus Christ, and are being saved all over Asia, all over Macedonia, that is what God is doing. People's lives are changed, no doubt. What else would he say to them? The amenities on the ships were so-so? No, he's talking about changed lives. That is what God has done amongst the Gentiles. Changed lives is always the proof. And he's there in front of Jewish believers with Gentile companions. Luke, who is a Greek physician, and, and others. He's with Gentiles. Gentiles who have a big purse with money in it. Because the Gentile churches have changed so much. These people are changed so much that they heard that their Jewish Christian brothers in Jerusalem were in poverty because of a famine. So all the Gentile churches put their money together, send it through these Gentile carriers with Paul. That's what God has done bringing Gentiles and Jews together, brings people of every color, of every culture together. Only God can do that, and that's what he's doing, and that's what is being described. Change lives. And many believe this was the point when Paul gave them that money to kind of soften up the change of uh, doctrine, if you'd say. But it was their changed lives, no doubt, that he talked about. Oh my goodness. This, this crazy person or that de demonic person or this person or that person, everyone's changing because of the gospel. And that is still the greatest proof that one has believed on Jesus Christ for salvation. It's a changed life. 
It is a changed life. That's the fruit. One who has been touched by God, you know, you don't have to shake them up too much and say, seek the Lord, love the Lord, follow the Lord. They have already been touched. They already want to do that. But if they don't, maybe they're not saved. Why don't they want to follow the Lord? Why don't they want to seek the Lord? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about why do we have to tell them to seek God if they have been born again, if they've made a decision for God. We all are told by Paul, examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith or not. There is fruit, and that fruit is a changed life. They literally brought their books and burned them. They, they changed their wardrobes, everything. Whatever had to be burned was burned for their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And he would write to the Corinthians, and he would write to uh, the Colossians. He would write to them about, you were once this, but you're not no more. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Like, don't trick yourself or let yourself be tricked. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. You were this way, but you're not. That's proof that you're saved. I don't want to do drugs anymore. I don't want to get drunk anymore. I don't want to live in immorality anymore. I want to seek the Lord. It's, super, it's a supernatural change in my heart. I just don't want those things anymore. I want to honor God. I want to seek Him. I want to get to know Him. These are fruits of a changed life. So many Christians are trying to force Christianity into to their loved ones, into their friends. And I get that. We pray for them. But at the end of the day, if they're not bearing fruit on their own, my goodness... What's there? It's better to tell them the truth. It's better to tell them the truth than to live in a lie. We don't want people to have a false sense of security. We want them to, to know that they are in Christ. In Colossians, he said basically the same thing to them. Colossians 3, verses 3 through 11. For you died... Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man and his deeds and have, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. It's black and white with the Lord. God forbid that we gray it up. But graying it up makes us feel better emotionally. But we don't want to gray it up. But you can't warn somebody if you've convinced yourself that those somebodies that you love 
are okay with God. Best thing you can do is tell them no. See, heaven is a place where people who love God go. People want to be with them. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, Paul would say. But if we think there's no terror, who are we going to persuade? Where, where would be the urgency? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, John the Beloved would write, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. That's heavy. And he's talking about practicing sin, living in it. 1 John 3, 9, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed, that's Jesus' seed, remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. He cannot sin. A Christian cannot practice sin. They either made a confession that wasn't legitimate, but you can't just say you love Christ and sleep around. You can't. Watching pornography, immorality. We all sin, but we're not practicing it. 1 John 5.18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Someone who has been born of God keeps himself. I love that saying that a mature Christian can take care of himself spiritually and take care of others. A baby Christian cannot take care of themselves and they, do, and they can't take care of others. We get to choose what we want to be. We need to grow. We need to be strong in Christ. We need to have faith. We need to be involved. We need to listen to what God is saying. And we need to tell people the truth about sin. Son, daughter, cousin, aunt, uncle, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. You don't give him your heart. You will not see heaven. And let them tell you, it's cool. I'm cool with that. And then we meet, we weep and we mourn and we pray. But at least give them the truth. But he told them the works of the Lord. There's another aspect to this that's just beautiful. He's telling them in detail what God has done. This must have just blown away the church who would, of course, love to hear all the stories of what Jesus is doing around the world. You have a story to tell, and so do I. To those who would listen to you about the details about what God has done in your life. And, and some of us have lost that excitement of, of what God has done. Some of us need to go back and have lost their first love. There is no... Joy and remembrance on the day that, that we've come to, we, we came to know Christ. I was crying and weeping in 1999 at the altar there at Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs. I was undone and naked before God. That's, how my, that's what I remember when he saved me from my sins. And some people have lost that. It's, it's not. He who's forgiven much loves much. He who's forgiven much has a story to tell. God is doing a work in your life. Write it down. Memorize it. 
Be excited about it and share it with others. And if you don't have much to tell, maybe it's time to get busy. Stop being a bench warmer. Even the oldest saint can wait around to hold baby Jesus when he comes in and bless the Lord. Just be here. Be at the men's studies. Be at the women's studies. Be, be here for prayer. Hang out. Don't just leave. We need you. Christ saved you to use you. But they told the works of the Lord, and they all rejoiced gladly. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 118, 17, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Can you imagine that posture, that position? I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare his works. That should be our posture. I'm alive for one thing, declare his works. Declare that he's alive and risen from the grave. Declare that he's working. That's why I'm alive. That should be our posture. Psalm 78, verses 2 through 7. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might I know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. You know, it's one thing to tell our children, love God. It's another thing to say, son, daughter, isn't it awesome what God is doing? How he did this, 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 and this. And he's doing this, 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 and this. And how he used us at the gas station to share with this person or at Walmart or wherever. And how, you know, that we, there has to be something. If there's not, sign up. Cleaning ministry, man, you'll, you'll never know. Keeping the grounds, you'll never know. Helping out. Right here. We can't be like those that Jesus spoke of in the parables who buried their talents and said, I would have worked, I would have done something, but I knew you to be an austere man, reaping where you have not sowed. God is not an austere man. God has loved us enough to give us eternal life and forgive us of our sins. He's worthy of our praises and our servanthood. Tell the works. Tell the works. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed and they are zealous for the law? Sounds like they just hit him up out of nowhere. Right? He's, he's telling them what God did, the Gentiles, and then they hit him up. Hey, Paul, see how many myriads of Jews who have believed are zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men here, who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. I like that one. And that all 
may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing, except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men, the next day, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification in which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Interesting, huh, guys? Because we know, we know Paul as the apostle that God used to teach clearly concerning salvation and justification that it doesn't come by the keeping of the law he's the one he's the main apostle that the lord gave that revelation to amen we know that you know that i know that the apostle had already written the book of romans to romans the epistle to the romans and to the galatians which both speak concerning this truth concerning matters of salvation and justification. That one is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you don't know the Bible, you may think that to get right with God, you have to do a bunch of good works and keep certain religious rituals. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. There's no good work that you can do. There's no religious work that you can do. There's no religious ritual that you can do. Not baptism, not anything, but faith in Jesus Christ alone. All you have to do is put your trust in Jesus Christ and repent of your sins. That's all you have to do. And God will accept you. That's all you have to do. He did all the work on the cross. He died for our sins. He who was sinless died for your, for your punishment and mine for our sins. That whoever believes in him should be saved. So that's the truth. But here Paul the Apostle is being hit up by the church. Hey, you know, there's thousands of Jews here who are zealous for the law. So what's the right thing to do? I believe without a doubt that this isn't a matter of salvation or justification. I think it's Jewish believers who, in Christ, who, though Romans and Galatians is out there somewhere in the world, apparently it hasn't hit Jerusalem yet. So they're under their newfound faith in Jesus Christ versus their whole life of keeping the law. They don't really know at this time how to balance that. But that revelation is coming. And the leaders in Jerusalem are saying, rather than like force feed this change right here, why don't you partake in this vow with these four Jewish boys that have taken a vow and pay for them because I guess it was expensive to shave your head then. When I, I know that as I've studied the Bible and I, I think about the law of Moses and the traditions of the fathers, I've always been kind of just leaning to, towards the idea that all of it was just unnecessary. And, and to some extent, it is for sure. It's unneeded. Salvation is, is through faith in Christ. But, but you also see a lot of room for Jewish believers, if they want to continue 
to carry out some of their practices, as long as it's not a matter of salvation and justification, then let them circumcise their sons. Peter circumcised a grown man in Timothy, guys. He became a Jew to win the Jew. Timothy's mother was Jewish, his father was Greek, and so he circumcised him. Paul took the Nazarite vow, right? We read about that, right? And the Bible is basically, you know, in the matter of these rules and traditions and stuff, is as long as it's not a matter of justification and sanctification, then let, let people do what they want to do. Just don't force that conviction on other people. That's basically what we see in the New Testament. Turn with me to Romans 14, please. Beginning in verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. But let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, like the Sabbath, right, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, right? He who eats pork, he eats to the Lord. He who doesn't, does not eat to the Lord. For he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat. And he gives God thanks. There Paul makes it clear, like, do what you're going to do, just don't make it an issue of sanctification or justification. But if I know someone's bothered by it, you know, we're just not going to eat pork or talk about it. Or talk about eating pork at all. I'm fine. Circumcision of the heart is what matters. Want to circumcise your sons? Fine. Just don't make it an issue of justification, sanctification, and don't think you're holier than others because your son got sanctified and theirs, or, or circumcised and theirs didn't. And so that's what's happening in Jerusalem this, at this time. But I like what Paul says concerning the liberties that we do have. Liberty to eat pork. Like I said, I'm not going to do anything that makes my brother stumble. And that's what he says. Let love be the thing. In 1 Corinthians 8 9, it says, But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Romans 14, verse 20 through 21. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak and that's why I stopped drinking a long time ago because if I make somebody stumble it's on me it's on me for those of you who weren't born in the church and born again early and have a history of it you know how many people could not handle their, al their alcohol and in the world we live in, where everyone's doped up, basically, so many people, and with the exhortation that we be sober and be vigilant, especially in these last days, the last thing we need to do is be expressing that liberty. I'm the weak brother. You make me stumble. 
take them and be purified. And so that's what he did. But concerning the Gentiles who believe we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing, except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. The Bible says to be simple concerning evil. I know that it's very easy to get a lot of information today with our phones. Very easy. And I'm assuming that it's very easy, easier than ever, for people to get entrapped by pornography. There is a lot of that going around, probably more than ever. Christian men, Christian women, be careful. Know what your kids are looking at. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin. Bye.